Hello, and welcome back to Kingdom Hearts Coast to Coast, a podcast about the Kingdom Hearts game series. I don't have anything really fun for the start of this episode. Usually I try to come up with a little thing to tie it in to the material we're talking about, but today I'm I'm just coming up flat. Well, there's just nothing fun about the level and the movie we're going to discuss today. Not even one thing. No, that's true. It's true. My shadow did get stolen, and that is not great. I do need to get that back. Well, that's probably unrelated, though. probably unrelated, yeah. Uh, I'm Juliet, and uh, who is with me today, as always? It's me, Madison. Yeah, and today we are going to be talking about the part of the original Kingdom Hearts where you go to Captain Hook's pirate ship. Uh, Technically, this is the Neverland level, but really it's just the pirate ship and also the uh, clock tower in London that they can't name for uh, probably illegal reasons. This is um, kind of actually a a fairly plot-heavy part of the game. Uh, It is not really just uh, another Disney sort of book report level. But uh, how did you find this one? What did you think? Well. Despite what I said, it is actually a very fun level. And um, as we'll get to, of course, one of the main advantages this level has is that you get the ability to fly, which you would think wouldn't be that much better than swimming in Atlantica. And yeah, but it is. It's way different and better. And it rocks. It's, it feels so good. And I was uh, I, I honestly spent more time here than I needed to just so that I could keep flying. Because, yeah, it feels great. It is not, strictly speaking, it, you're right, it's not really that different um, than than swimming in terms of mechanics, but it just feels so good. And it, it it's nice that it's a thing that you can do in addition to walking around. I feel like it gives you, like, some really fun options for, you know, moving around and uh, engaging with enemies and stuff. And it's just really neat. I, I like it a whole lot. I also thought that the Peter Pan characters were pretty fun. They were. In this uh, episode uh, level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And actually, so uh, just to, to give a little bit of a setup, this level, uh, this world is is sort of like a sister level to the Monstro area that we talked about before. It even kind of starts in a similar way where essentially this is based on a Disney property. But really, this is actually a level devoted to moving along the plot of Kingdom Hearts the game. And the Disney characters are kind of in the mix with that. And they're actually much more in the mix here than than they were in the Monstro level, which, uh, you know, barely had anything to do with Pinocchio. But this, it uses most of the major characters from Peter Pan, and it, it uses them pretty well, I think. I enjoyed them a lot. And yeah, so let's talk a little bit about Peter Pan. The 1953 Disney movie. Oh, do we have to? Uh, unfortunately, maybe a, a just a little bit, just a tiny bit. Um, so this movie is, uh, you know, generally considered one of the big Disney classics. It was one of their earlier, well, I w- I'd say one of their earlier animated movies. There was actually a very long break between um, this and the previous movies they had produced, uh, mostly caused by World War II. And Disney kind of redirecting their uh, their efforts uh, as, a, as a studio to, uh, uh, you know, being essentially part of like the, the war effort and the propaganda machine. Uh, I'm not using that word pejoratively. It's just 
the accurate description of what they did during World War II. And uh, so they got back to making movies in the early 50s, uh, their own movies. And this was a big one that that Walt Disney wanted to work on. And it's actually the last movie that all of the animators known as the Nine Old Men, which were the kind of you know, core group of of animators under Walt Disney. This is the last one they all worked on together. Uh, After this, some of them went off and uh, worked more on the Disney Disneyland Park or, you know, they moved into uh, directing or other other parts of sort of the production machine there. But uh, this is the last one they all did together. And uh, despite the fact that it is a very, very beautiful movie, I really don't like this one. Uh, I did rewatch this in preparation for this episode. And uh, even though the movie is, according to uh, Disney Plus, only 77 minutes long, it (laughs) was tough to get through. Uh, Have you seen this one at all recently, Madison? I think the last time I saw this movie was when I was babysitting a four year old in high school. So it was about 10 years ago, 10 or 12 years ago. Yeah, so that's a little while. And I hadn't seen it for a long time either probably longer than that honestly because this is just not one i did watch this as a kid but i never had like a particular fondness for it so it's not really one that i've like gone back to as an adult much at all this movie has a lot of what i would say a lot of problems and you know the biggest problem the objective problem with this movie is that it is tremendously racist it features a lengthy sequence with a native american tribe the movie calls them an indian tribe uh that is on neverland and uh man it's really bad uh it's so bad in fact that the movie does indeed have a disclaimer uh about outdated cultural uh imagery uh and insensitive cultural imagery on disney plus and uh oh i got song of the south yeah well it didn't get song of the south because you can actually watch it on disney plus uh yeah fair enough but uh, arguably, it's not less racist than Song of the South. So, yeah. yeah. But uh, and and that all is very bad. Uh, but even if you were to take that out of the movie, uh, I still think it's a really, but a really boring and a really strangely mean movie. Like, I think that most of the characters in it are really uh, just sort of thoughtlessly cruel. Uh, and uh, really, Wendy is sort of the only exception to that. But yeah, you know, uh, it's the classic Peter Pan story. Wendy and her siblings, John and Michael, are children in Victorian London. Uh, They go to Neverland with Peter Pan, who tells them they'll never grow up. They'll never have to grow up there. They sort of get involved in the seemingly endless battle between uh, Captain Hook and his pirate crew uh, and Peter Pan and his lost boys, all of which are really annoying and really thinly sketched characters. You know, uh, Tinkerbell is there. She sort of accidentally betrays Peter's location to Captain Hook and then almost dies, saving him from the bomb that Captain Hook puts in in Peter's hideout. And uh, then, yeah, uh, Hook and Peter have a fight. Uh, Hook is uh, defeated and chased off into the sunset by the crocodile that ate his hand. And that's pretty much the end of the movie. Kids go home. Nobody really learns anything, but I guess there's not really much of a lesson here at all in the first place, other than just, you know, 
believe in your dreams and, uh, you know, hold on to the magic of childhood, which actually does come through a little bit in this level in Kingdom Hearts, interestingly. But yeah, you know, strangely, I feel like they could have delved a little more into that, given that the main um, conflict in this level is the uh, a, a ruined relationship between childhood friends. Yeah, right. But before we get into the actual level, we talked about a similar thing last time with um, Pinocchio, but there's a the character of Tinkerbell, just like Gemini Cricket, yeah. really broke out from this movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it has a huge cultural impact far beyond anything else from Peter Pan. Yeah, definitely. Uh, to the point where they, uh, you know, they, they actually made a series of spinoff movies just about Tinkerbell in, in the... I, I guess in the 2010s, like the early 2010s. Yeah, yeah. And those are pretty good, actually. I also watched those babysitting. Yeah, those are not bad. I've seen I've seen one of those at least. And yeah, they're not they're they're kind of barely related to this, but they do kind of demonstrate that Tinkerbell was enough of a kind of going concern that, you know, she was she was something that Disney wanted to, like, base a franchise around. And yeah, I mean, Tinkerbell, uh, Tinkerbell is just a really iconic image, I think. You know, Tinkerbell uh, is, has been really widely used by the Disney company and a lot of their other shows. And really, like you said, very much like Jimmy Cricket, she is the one thing from this movie that really kind of broke out beyond the movie, which I guess is also appropriate for her role here in Kingdom Hearts, where at the end of it, <laughs> Peter's like, oh, yeah, uh, you just take Tink with you. She'll be she'll be your friend now. And then you get her as a summon. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that is cool. But yeah, uh, I don't know. Any any thoughts, any further thoughts about Peter Pan uh, before we, we kind of get into talking about this level? Well, despite how we feel about the movie Peter Pan, and in addition to Tinkerbell, it does have some important cultural effects that works that it inspired, including, of course, Hook, which is a, a Robin Williams movie that I, I, I enjoy quite a bit. Uh-huh. Uh, and also the... Um, Young and beautiful Lana Del Rey AMV that somebody <laughs> my, that my, one of my personal heroes put together on YouTube, uh, displaying chronicling the love relationship between Ariel from The Little Mermaid and Peter Pan. Wow! And the tragic the tragic um, trajectory of their relationship as Ariel does grow old and die. Wow! While Peter Pan does not. That's so sad. That kind of reminds me of the the very good AMV chronicling the love between uh jane from tarzan and the cat lady ship captain from treasure planet absolutely the pinnacle of this genre they're beautiful like genuinely uh, a, a, a strangely compelling uh piece of piece of, of work there if you haven't seen that yeah go go check that out it's it's odd but pretty much the i i agree pretty much the high point of of this kind of Disney movie cross shipping uh, uh, music video. I believe it may be by the same person. That would make sense as this Ariel Peter Pan one, but th- this person's very good. Yeah, I, yeah. If there are two people, they're both very good. Uh-huh. Anyway, we won't say any more spoilers <laughs> about those. We gotta talk about Kingdom Hearts. We gotta talk about Kingdom Hearts. So yeah, uh, basically, uh, this level starts with you flying the gummy ship towards that mysterious empty third node on the kind of second ring of worlds and 
When you get there, you find not a planet, or not, not a world, but a pirate ship just in the middle of space. And it rams into the gummy ship, and Sora wakes up on the deck of this ship. Now, of course, it's Captain Hook's pirate ship, and who is there but Riku. And Riku's got Kairi. Sora is very excited to see his friends again. Uh, until he finds out that Riku's maybe not quite on the level at this point. Yeah, he's a, he's a bad boy now. He's a bad boy now. He's, uh, he's all in with the darkness. And he kind of goads Sora for a little bit uh, over the fact that while Sora was off having fun adventures, he was trying to save Kairi. And so actually, how is how is this phrased exactly? Like... When he says, when uh, Sora says, oh, no, Riku, if you use the power of the Heartless, they'll take your heart. Yeah. And he says, no, they never will. My heart's too strong. Yeah, that's the line. That's the line. That Riku confidence. Real Drax the Destroyer energy from Guardians of the Galaxy here when he says, nothing goes over my head. I'm too fast. I would catch you. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) No, like, you know, Kingdom Hearts, I think, will eventually settle on the idea that Riku is uh, just like so is really just like super like hyper competent in all things. And in some ways, this means that he kind of can't be the main character of this series just because it not nearly as much stuff would happen. But I like this version of Riku right now where he's he's kind of overconfident and there's no real reason for him to 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 have this level of self-assuredness. And yeah, uh, so he thinks that he has got the Heartless well under control. Uh, he throws Sora down into the hold of the ship, uh, along with Donald and Goofy, where they end up in a pile where they're just like talking while they're piled up. And I feel like, you know, it must just be my, my conclusion here is that it is very comfortable uh, just sort of laying on Goofy like that. I imagine it must be. Why wouldn't Sora just get up immediately? Even Donald doesn't seem very upset about the situation. Not really, yeah. But yeah, in in these sequences, we get some good. Um, it actually gets quite cinematic. Yeah, it does. In uh, with like some good camera angles and stuff, we get like half of Sora's face and then the background blurred behind him as he's speaking to Riku. Mm-hmm. It's a, a level of artistry to the framing of the shots that I, I hadn't noticed before. So I appreciated all that. It's interesting because it feels like they're trying really hard here. And not that they haven't been trying before, but this feels uh, this feels like they were really kind of going for something here. And I, I mean, it makes sense, too, because this is sort of the first like real conversation that Sora and Riku have had since the islands at the beginning of the game. Like there was the monster thing, but that was barely... That was barely an encounter in a lot of ways. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. And this is also where it kind of just makes clear that, you know, it is where it becomes clear to Sora that like Riku is not going to help him, you know? Yeah. Uh, it finally gets through to him. Yeah. that Riku does not consider him a friend at this point. Yeah. Which is quite sad. It's quite sad. So, yeah, and uh, there's also a scene where Riku is talking to Captain Hook, who does not really seem super happy with the whole arrangement here. Uh, You know, he went through a lot of trouble to kidnap Wendy, who is also on the ship. 
And Riku just tells him straight up that, oh, yeah, she's not one of the princesses. Like, you know, she doesn't matter. Just throw her back. It's fine. Yeah, Maleficent's assembling these mysterious seven princesses. Yeah, seven, I believe. And they can't just be anyone, which is Captain Hook doesn't like to hear. No. So so they fall into the hold. And unfortunately for Smee and Captain Hook, even though they knew this, Peter Pan is there. Yeah. And this brings me to my biggest problem with this level, Mm -hmm. which is that Peter Pan is way too tall. Oh, you're right. He is a tall boy. No, Peter Pan. He's a whole head taller than Sora. Yeah, that's, you know, I thought I was imagining that because he's flying for the first scene that he's in. And it, it, I thought that I was just, it was just like a weird, like perspective thing, but no, it's, it's true. He is very tall and yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's strange. I will say Peter Pan is, uh, is a lot easier to take here than he is in the movie. Like he's not nearly as obnoxious, which, you know, just for like kind of plot reasons <laughs> makes sense. Cause, right. Cause he's almost like, like good and righteous here yeah. and not simply manic and neutral. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, ser- seriously, if this had been like movie Peter Pan, he would have badly derailed this whole thing instantly. And he wouldn't have been nearly as helpful. Like, uh, I wouldn't imagine that, that Peter Pan would actually want to just like walk around in the, the bowels of this pirate ship hitting, hitting monsters for a while. Especially not with how much I got lost. Yeah. So it's the, so this entire level essentially is just the hold of the ship, basically. And there's really only about like five different rooms here, but it's actually still pretty hard to navigate them. Uh, as is as is the way of Kingdom Hearts one, where you have several rooms that don't look identical, but they look similar enough that they're kind of it's kind of hard to figure out if you're back where you started or where you're supposed to be going. And also some doors that unless it's time for you to go through them because of the plot are just pieces of the wall. Like they're just, yeah. you, you know, you walk up to them and literally nothing happens. No prompts, nothing. Uh, but. If it's time, then you walk up to them and you get the door opening animation. It's this is a very short level, so it doesn't really take that long to figure out where to go, even if you do get lost. But it's not less annoying in that way. Yeah, it's a little better than Monstro, but I felt like I was absolutely losing my mind because I went. There's a room you get into that's got a bunch of mimic barrels. Yeah. And then you can go through a door and jump through a hole and climb up a ladder and then you're back in that room and that absolutely drove my drove me mad because i thought what oh no you see what, this what's is, happening oh no, you see this is the thing it's you're not back in that room you're in the room you're not no you're in the room next to it which looks almost identical but is not the same room and i don't think oh you can gosh. and this is the thing right this is what i was talking about you can't go into that. If you just go out the door of that first room, you can't go into the door of the other room. You have to go down the hole into the dark part okay. of the ship and then back up the other way. And then you can go out that way. But Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That explains everything. Yeah. It's not great. Well, eventually you make it to where some plot happens. Yeah, eventually you do. Uh, you make it to a, a room that is below the room where Wendy is, and you can talk to her through kind of a grate in the floor. And she says there's another girl up there with her. And um, I did want to mention this, actually. 
So the the uh, actress who voices Wendy here is actually the same one who voiced her in uh, the movie. Get out of town. Yeah. And like she also voiced Alice and Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> so, oh. yeah. And in this game, she also maybe not in this game, but in another Kingdom Hearts game, possibly she voices Kyrie's grandmother. Oh, so, yeah, uh, she does not sound great here. I'll admit as as Wendy, <laughs> she she sounds weird. And um, especially if you very recently watched the movie like I, I did, you will notice the difference. But that's not a sound alike. Everyone else is uh, is a sound alike. But uh, not not her. So interesting. Cool. Uh, but yeah, there is another girl in there. And um, I Sora asks her if there is another girl. And she says, oh, yes. And then Kyrie, who who is there catatonic or, or she's lost her heart. She moves just a little bit. And I suppose this brings her into Sora's field of view because then he does see her. Um, but it's very important that she, he calls to her and she kind of twitches her hand. Mm -hmm. What could be going on? We just don't know. Yeah, it's very mysterious. At this point, I believe, right, Riku comes in and takes them away. Well, we don't see that. We see Riku and Hook talking and Hook calls for Smee or whoever to bring him Kyrie. Uh -huh. And then um, so you you tell Wendy that you're going to come get her and Kyrie. And then there's like a thump oh, and yeah, you're right. like, oh, no, what happened? Um, and so then you eventually make your way around and find Wendy, but she's passed out. And Peter Pan leaves your party for like a minute. Yeah. Well, he he because he says, I have to go take care of Wendy, which he would never do. No, he never, never, ever. No. Um, we also missed a bit here where he uh, he does explain to the lads that uh, that he can help them fly with fairy dust. He sprinkles them with fairy dust, but they can't fly yet. So uh, that'll be it. Yeah, that'll be important in just a minute, though, as they are all they they make their way up to the deck of the ship. You have a fight with some Sora shadows that. Oh, Riku yeah. Has when conjured. you see Riku, Riku says, hey, I can do this now and can summon up evil shadow Sora, which is cool. Yeah, it is. Cool. Uh, I don't know how or why he learned that. You know, just for fun, just, you know, parlor <laughs> tricks. Got something to do with those villain parties. Good point. Uh, well, Shadow Sora is pretty good fight. It's a pretty um, good fight. It was actually the only time during this whole thing where I did die once, and I'm not really sure what happened there. They hit hard. They do hit hard, yeah. So they hit me hard, and I had to redo that bit. But uh, luckily, uh, it's not it's not a really hard fight. He makes some copies of himself that you have to discern which the which one is the real one and uh you know you you're fighting in like captain hook's stateroom so there's a little bit of room to move around but it can be kind of tight in there you beat him and then you make your way out onto the deck where captain hook is uh grandstanding he has got tinkerbell in a little uh like like lamp enclosure yeah, Riku and Kyrie are gone. They are gone, yeah. Riku stepped into the shadows with her, and that's just not a part of the level anymore. That's just not a thing anymore. You were not able to stop him, but Captain Hook has taken Tinkerbell hostage, and even, I mean, Sora is just very good, of course, and so even though he's only known Tinkerbell for five minutes, and she hasn't been particularly nice to him, he turns himself she, in she kicked his friend in the beach <laughs> she did do that 
I guess that was the bonding time they had when Donald made fun of her for being jealous and she kicked him in the beak and now Sora would die for her like in persona. Yeah, that's right. So you're going to you have to walk the plank. Sora has to walk the plank. And so this is all cut scene. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. Cut to Sora's on the plank. Captain Hook gets scared off by the crocodile showing up. But Smee and the Heartless, I guess, managed to get you to get Sora to walk the plank. But then Peter Pan's voice comes in and reminds Sora that he, if he believes, that he just needs to believe. Yeah. And so Sora, you know, smiles and leaps off the plank and flies up in the air. And then you can fly. Oh, yeah. You can fly. Woohoo! And yeah, then essentially uh, you just you can get Peter back into your party at this point. But really, all that's left now is the fight with Captain Hook. And, well, and that's not entirely true. You do fight some heartless mobs in the air first, and that's a very fun fight. The sort of uh, exterior exterior of the pirate ship is big and open, and the camera problems that are usually a thing in Kingdom Hearts are not a problem here. Oh, it's a dream. It's just yeah. smooth sailing and pixie dust. Yeah. The camera floating freely through the open air as you fly around and zoom toward the heartless yeah, and- cake. And and yeah, I, I think the uh, so I, I realized while I was doing this that uh, the the heartless like pirate ship enemy is one of my favorite enemies in the game entirely because it feels so good to hit it. Yeah, like a lot of mass there. Yeah. And like it's really crunchy sounding. It's just great. And yeah, uh, I'm really glad to actually have a level where we don't have most of the normal Kingdom Hearts enemy mobs. Like, there's no big round ones here. The pirate versions of the, like, the flying guys and the the soldier heartless are, you know, they feel a little different to fight because you can fly around them. And, yeah, uh, it's just a really good, fun sequence. And then, of course, you do fight Captain Hook. And Captain Hook is, uh, he hits pretty hard and he has a couple of, he has a, a pretty lengthy combo attack that you don't want to get stuck in. But in general, he's not really a super tough fight. I maintain that the Ursula fights were like a really crazy difficulty spike. And nothing else in the game so far has seemed nearly as hard as those. So For sure. And Hook doesn't even get enormous. No, he so doesn't. Who cares? It's just a normal size Hook. He doesn't even have... He doesn't get enormous and he doesn't have like a, a, like a, a special heartless friend like the big chameleon thing in the jungle level. So yeah, he's just a normal sized guy and he can jump really high. He can jump really high. That's true. But yeah, other than that, he's, he's pretty easy to take on, uh, which is interesting to note because uh, I, I don't know. We haven't, I guess, discussed the plan for this so much yet, but if we do in fact end up playing uh, kingdom hearts recoded, or is it oh, that's got a really hard hook fight, doesn't it's it? Got a hard, it's got a hook fight so hard that I never beat it in the Game Boy Advance version. <laughs> oh, no. Um, yeah. Is recoded on our final mix? It is, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, and it's a little different because it's like essentially remade in 3D. So it's not like the sprite art that the, the Game Boy Advance game had. So maybe it's easier to play, but... Yeah, that was an uh, that was an impossibly hard boss fight in the Game Boy Advance game. <laughs> well, he was saving it all up for that. He sure was. He sure was. 
Sorry, read Chain of Memories. That's what I meant. Chain of Memories. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. It's kind of hard to keep all the spinoffs straight. <laughs> but yeah, so you beat him. And then you get some more, some actually, I think, pretty good scenes that try to do a little bit of like tying thematic things together here, which is cool because it's not something that the game has done a ton of so far. And I always like to see it. Uh, Hook is banished and or he he is, you know, out of the picture. And Sora has this neat kind of introspective little moment where he's imagining telling Kyrie about how much uh, about the fact that he got to fly and how cool it was. And, you know, I feel like that is basically the place where this game tries to hit on like kind of the the uh, childlike wonder thing from from Peter Pan. You know, yeah. and it's nice. It it works. It's not super on the nose about it, but it's it's good. And the very, very last thing here is that you sort of inexplicably go to London. <laughs> uh, Tinkerbell comes up and says that there's something at the clock tower. So suddenly you're just in London at at Big Ben and you uh you know this is actually a really nicely uh, nicely depicted area here uh it's basically just like you know the the giant sort of top of the clock that you can fly around freely there's a couple of treasure chests to find and then if you hit the hands on the clock so that it points to exactly 12 o'clock uh it opens up the keyhole and we get a little ending cutscene of closing the keyhole here so I guess we can thank Sora for closing the keyhole in the real world. In the real world, so that yeah. Carlos can't come into our real world that we where London is, where we live in the world, and Harless can't attack yeah, us. Yeah, I'm, I'm really thankful for for Sora. He did save us all by doing that. Phew. Yeah. So yeah, there's actually no Neverland in this no, level. There's not. Yeah. <laughs> because there's just Captain Hook's ship and Big Ben in London. Yeah. Uh, that's that's fine. Um, I mean, it's just I, really funny. Look, I watched Peter Pan. Nothing good happens in Neverland. <laughs> that's that stuff did not need to be here at all. We did not need to see the Lost Boys. We didn't need to see the Indian Village or the mermaids. What about the really mean mermaids? The, I didn't, we didn't need to see the really mean mermaids. They're so mean. Why are they so mean? I don't know. But yeah, uh, they're not here at all. The thing that I don't really get here is that they do just kind of leave Wendy at the top of big ben i guess she can fly i guess she too, can fly so it's fine but it's just like eh, yeah yeah because peter pan's going back to netherland and you're going off in your gummy ship and she's there at the very top of the tallest and i'm sure and i'm sure this was not a thing that um well i don't know maybe it was a thing that occurred to them but to me this feels like it's almost like a weird like foreshadowing of twilight town and kingdom hearts 2 because the look of the clock tower and the image of like sora and his friends just kind of hanging out at the top of it felt really reminiscent of the the twilight town stuff to me yeah and so i, I kind of wonder if like in a weird way that was on their mind when they were making the twilight this was on their mind when they were making the twilight town stuff because i feel like they possibly without meaning to created some very like striking very like iconic images for this series in this level and it's really interesting that it's not an original kingdom hearts level like this is one of the disney ones but 
yeah, it still feels much more like they created this out of whole cloth in some ways. And I don't know. I think it's really cool. I like it. I like that there's this little sequence where there's actually no enemies at all. Yeah. And you just can fly around. I I mean, there's been there's like the waterfall caverns in the deep jungle, Mm -hmm. which are are a little like this, but it's just a nice little moment. Yeah, it is. uh, Where you, you know, you lock the keyhole and then just are there using your powers. Yeah. And it doesn't really it doesn't end until you go to the save point and decide to leave. So, yeah, it's cool. And like I mentioned before, you do uh, just sort of get Tinkerbell as a summon. She just sort of gets fobbed off on you by by Peter Pan. I guess she doesn't like Peter anymore because she gets too jealous. Yeah, yeah. And luckily, Sora is more or less completely, completely oblivious to everything. So, <laughs> so you know, uh, there's no way Sora can make her jealous, right? Probably. Yeah. Maybe she's just trying to prove something to Peter. Yeah, that's probably it. And then, yeah, we do get one more scene with Riku, uh, which is interesting because it will actually it does set up the the next level in the game. Uh, And yeah, Riku emerges in uh, the kind of. Layer of Maleficent, and he is not having a great time. It seems like taking uh, taking the direct route uh, and just using the darkness to travel to uh, what is actually name-dropped as the Ruins of Hollow Bastion by Captain Hook has, has kind of taken a toll on him. He's he's come there, he's brought Kyrie with him, and Maleficent kind of gives him a little bit of a talking to for being, uh, you know, kind of trying to tell him the same stuff that Sora was, actually, that, you know, the Heartless are gonna get to him if if he keeps using his power so recklessly. We also get a little bit of foreshadowing of there being somebody else here in in the castle. Uh, And uh, we do get the extremely, I just still think extremely badass explanation that it's someone whose heart was too strong to be destroyed when their world was destroyed and who followed them there through sheer force of will. Yeah, how about that, Simba? Yeah, that's right. Don't have anything on this mystery character. Being a rock, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. You could have just walked away. You just walked away. You're strong. You got muscles and fur. Not that strong. Nope. But yeah, we'll meet this new character next time when we make it to Hollow Bastion. Will we make it to Hollow Bastion next time? Surely nothing will stand in our no, way, I, right? I can't imagine, really. You know, I mean, what would? I actually don't remember. <laughs> you know, I, I think there's not anything. Actually, I think oh. I think we just go. Oh. I think we just go to Hollow Bastion next time. So wow, yeah. Okay. So Gee. so yeah, uh, and um, yeah. There's a couple of scenes in uh, in Traverse Town. We do, of course, get another navigational gummy from finishing from finishing the the Neverland level, which uh, is enough for Sid to to make a new thing for us, uh, a new. An upgrade for the gummy ship, I yeah, guess. Yeah, a new navigational gummy for the gummy ship. And yeah, uh, there's a couple of scenes there. And then, yeah, we'll be we'll be off to Hollow Bastion. So, yeah, I don't know. Any 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 closing thoughts on this this slice of the game? A pretty a pretty small part of the game, but I think a really good one. Probably probably the the one of the overall best parts of this game so far, I would say. I agree. And it's in terms of like 
plot relevance and level of fun to play and new abilities you get you do get the glide ability which even though you can't fly freely outside of neverland you can glide which is kind of like a long a long jump type thing yeah um anywhere which is really gonna help us get the treasures and stuff absolutely yeah and yeah with this our movement kit is essentially now complete and i gotta say Moving Sora around now that you can do the high jump and the glide actually feels really good. Yeah, it's a big improvement. It's a big improvement. And it's 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 it feels a lot better to be able to reach parts of levels and know that you won't have if you fall down, you won't have to do a tremendous amount of platforming to get back up. I think that there's some notable, notable improvements in, in how this game works at this point. And uh, I'm really pleased to see it. I had, a, I had a lot of fun with this, and I thought this was kind of a more creative uh, and, and sort of thoughtful use of the Disney setting than some of the levels we've seen. And yeah, I just, I just had a really good time with it. Yeah, it's interesting in terms of game design. I think a, a lot of games have the reputation that like the first two or three levels are really good and then they they give up on designing things yeah. because they know reviewers are just going to play the beginning and give it a thumbs up. Uh, but Kingdom Hearts really like gets good <laughs> in these last couple levels. It's kind of actually kind of a slog in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I would love... I mean, we will never know this because Kingdom Hearts was made by, um, you know, a, a kind of legacy Japanese company. And those are kind of notoriously secretive about their production process. But I would love to know kind of what the actual design process for this was. And like if, you know, the same group of people sort of designed each level and kind of just worked their way through or if there were different groups of, of people designing each one. Uh, you know, because it does feel like there's some pretty notable differences in kind of the philosophy behind the design of some of these levels. Yeah, and I guess that could be explained either by different teams or by the same team getting new experience and different ideas. Yeah, yeah either one is totally plausible, but I'd, I'd like to know what the story was here. I bet this game... I bet all of the Kingdom Hearts games honestly had interesting production histories, uh, whether it's whether it's this one, the original uh, Kingdom Hearts 2, which was essentially a sequel created a, under a pretty normal time frame, uh, which is very unusual for this series <laughs> uh, or Kingdom Hearts 3, which took like a decade. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someday. Maybe someday. Maybe someday there will be a big, beautiful art book that goes through the, the like production histories of all these games. And I I will pay the $200 that will cost. So, yeah. Indeed. Yeah. We can dream. We can dream. Yeah. We can dream. We can fly. And, uh, yeah. Uh, until next time, uh, this has been Kingdom Hearts Coast to Coast. And, uh. You know, second start of the right and straight on till morning. Woo! Thank you for listening to this episode of Kingdom Hearts Coast to Coast. Our intro and outro feature the song Trinity by T. Spiro on ocremix.org. To contact the show, 
send us an email at kingdomheartscoast2coast at gmail.com. That's the numeral two. Or follow us on Twitter at khcoast2coast. Again, the numeral two. Remember to subscribe and join us again next time as we continue our adventure in Hollow Bastion. Windy, 右に光ってる星に向かってまっすぐに飛ぶんだ。<音楽>